just keeps coming at you. <laughs> yeah. uh, appreciate that, Brother James, figuring that out. Uh, go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to continue. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a little bit. We're going to continue our series on uh, moving forward in 2024 and learning to walk with God. Genesis chapter 12. Learned about Noah last week. And uh, today I want to talk to you about a man that I, I know you know the name very well, and we've talked about him before, but uh, I think one of the things that Abraham represents is not just walking with God, but walking with God in a new direction. And I think, uh, I think we need that. I think it's very easy to get uh, stale and to get uh, ritualistic about the Christian life, and, and sometimes God needs to change some things up, Amen. I move things in a different direction to help you make sure that your head and your heart and everything else is in the right place. So Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read just a couple of verses. Genesis 12, starting in verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country. And by the way, notice his name is Abram. Eventually it has changed to Abraham. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but it starts with Abram. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. And you notice this is God's plan, not Abraham's. You notice that? Yeah. It's, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, you know how most of us live? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And then later on, God, do you want to come in on this? And in this situation, God's the one saying, I will, I will, I will. And things turn out pretty well for Abraham. Yeah. All right? That, that's, just pay attention to that. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them. Now look, uh, I could say Joe's a blessing to me, and I mean that sincerely. But if God were to show up and say Joe's a blessing, Joe's a blessing. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Like when God says you're call someone a blessing, man, that's a big deal. Uh, he says he's going to make him a blessing. Look at verse three, and I will bless him that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. By the way, that's still in effect right now, uh, regardless of what the UN says or anybody else thinks. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God lays all this stuff out, kind of throws it at him, and uh, kind of the way I envision this thing is Abram's by himself, and, and God shows up to him. Maybe he's out with the sheep or doing whatever, and it's uh, the nighttime, and the Lord just shows up. No conversations that we can see prior to God talking to Abraham. And God says, I'm going to do this and this and this, but I need you to leave home. Verse 4, so Abram, what? As the Lord hath spoken unto him. Let's talk about walking with God, learning this from Abraham. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Eric, Brother Eric Alcorn, if you can open us up in a word of prayer, sir. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. You ever been around someone that everybody wants to be around? 
You ever been around someone that nobody wants to be around? Have you ever been either of those people? Amen. Uh, Abraham (laughs) is like, yes. (laughs) You ever felt like you wanted to be one, but you ended up being the other? (laughs) Hey, Uh, Abraham's the guy that everyone wants to be connected to. And what I mean by that is this, when the Pharisees argue about their position versus the position of Jesus Christ, you know what they say? We be Abraham's seed. Remember that in John chapter 8? You might remember that Jesus Christ in Matthew 1, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, it goes like this, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Everyone kind of wants to lay claim to being a child of Abraham. We have kids today that sing, Father Abraham had many sons. Remember that song? Many sons, right arm, left arm, don't know what I'm doing anymore, right? That kind of thing. You know, Father Abraham, everybody wants to be connected with Abraham. Uh, 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 Paul says this, are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. So am I. Uh, spiritually speaking, not physically, all right? Physically, that's Israel. Spiritually, by faith, we are the seed of Abraham. Now to Abraham and his seed where the promises made, he saith, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. In Romans 4, Paul says this, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Why does everyone want to be connected with this guy? What's the big deal about Abraham? And look, there's a lot of things we could say about him. I'm going to say this right now. One of the reasons why is because that man walked with God. And when you walk with God, your life turns out differently than when you walk on your own. And Abraham learned that lesson. Uh, Listen, when it comes to uh, uh, why God chose Abraham, think about this. It wasn't because God just randomly picked some guy. Because Abraham was just, you know, listen, I want to be real clear with you. God does things according to foreknowledge, not necessarily election. In other words, God will choose someone because he knows how they're going to handle the situation. Not because he's arbitrary. Not just because he goes, you know what? I just like Abraham. I don't like anybody else. The reason why God enjoyed fellowship with Abraham was because of this. In Genesis 18, you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis 18, he says this, for I know him, and he will command his family to follow me. You say, what is that? That's God looking at a man saying, I know how he's going to handle the relationship with me, and the way he's going to handle it is right, and therefore, I choose him. Think about Pharaoh. Uh, Calvinists like to say that God just chose Pharaoh randomly uh, and that God did what he did, what he wanted to do with Pharaoh and there was no free will involved. Do you realize that God does not harden Pharaoh's heart chronologically until Pharaoh hardens his heart first? Do you realize that the reason why God said, Abraham, I want you and I'm going to bless you and so on and so forth, the reason why was because he knew that Abraham would walk with God. You want the blessing of God in your life? Listen, God's not a a rabbit's foot or a genie in the lamp or any of that stuff. You don't pull him out because you want something or because you want money or a, a peaceful life or whatever else. You walk with God because it's the right thing to do. And when you do that, there are blessings associated with it. Understand this, uh, God uh, spoke to Abraham in a way he didn't speak to anybody else during his life, similar to Noah. Now, I want you to consider this. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Keep your hand there. Ephesians chapter 2, all the way in the New Testament. Why are we talking about walking with God so much at the beginning of the year? Because when you first get saved and you have a new beginning of life, you are a new creature in Christ, what God does, he goes, hey, I'm going to teach you to walk all over again. 
And you go, I don't need to learn how to walk. I already know how to walk. God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way you walked and where you walked and why you walked there and who you walked with and the reason you did, all that was wrong. <laughs> so let me give you a new walk. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Notice verse 2, wherein time past ye what? Walked. Well, how did you walk? According to the course of this world. Look at Romans chapter number 6. God wants to take you in a new direction. God wants to take you in a new direction, believer. And look, whether you've been saved for a week or 25 years, God still wants to take you in a new direction. You say, why? Because even if you quit walking after the manner of this world, you will always have to wrestle with walking after the manner of your own flesh. You could move to the mountains, which some of you wish, I know some of you wish you could do. Move away to the mountains, cut off from society, no Wi-Fi, no electricity. No electricity, have at it, enjoy that. You know, know this, know that, whatever else. Cut everything else out of your life, and guess what? You would still be a sinner that struggled with sin because you have you. <laughs> and the only way to counter that, listen, it's not just a matter of cutting everything out of your life. That's part of it. But it's not just taking things out. It's bringing the right stuff in. And the right stuff is God himself in having a real fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter number six. Look if you would at verse number one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin? Paul, I don't always feel dead to sin. Anybody else with me? Paul is saying this from a positional standpoint. In other words, how does God see me? Not how do I live day to day, but how God sees me as the old man is dead. There's a new man, and that new man needs to walk in newness of life. Look, if you would, at verse number five. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Go back to verse 4, I'm sorry. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism to death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? newness of life you know why because you were walking for a long time but it was death do you know what pride and envy and lust and selfishness and self-righteousness and self-preservation and self and self you know what all that is that's all death and god says i want you to walk in a new life i want to give you a new path a new direction but you can't do it listen to me on your own you know we tell someone if they're lost without jesus christ we tell them you can't save yourself and all you say people would say that was weak. Let's try that. <laughs> Sounded like the card this morning was negative 10. If someone's lost and you know they need to be saved, you would tell them they cannot save themselves. Amen. That's more like it, all right? Listen, after you get saved, i got news for you. You still can't do everything on your own. Amen. You still need God. <laughs> and the problem is, after you've been saved, listen, the problem is if you just got saved is to rely on the old life and the old ways, and manipulation, and lying, and deceit, and, and, and using people, and all that stuff. If you've been safe for a long time, that's not the issue. The issue now is you are so much in a rut, and you know everything, and you don't need anybody, and you don't even need God sometimes. And I'm going to tell you right now, either direction is wrong. You need to learn to walk with God. You need to walk with God. Paul says we should walk in newness of life. 
As you turn back to our passage in Genesis 12, I want to remind you as you do that, there's a story in Deuteronomy. By the way, Deuteronomy, do, do, right? Dos, right? Means two. Deuteronomy is the retelling of the law, all right? I'm going to try to do my best to keep these girls awake. Some of them have a sleepover the other night, and they're still recovering. Like, <laughs> they partied hard, man. You say, what do, what do homeschool Christian kids do when they party hard? I don't even know. But I heard it downstairs until 1 a.m., all right? And, yeah, well, I heard it. I heard it. Yeah, you guys get that right. Get that to the altar later on, all right? <laughs> oh, yeah, we went to bed at midnight. Whatever, you bunch of liars. Uh, but, listen, as you turn to Genesis 12, over in Deuteronomy, the retelling of the law, there's a really, really fun story where God comes up to Moses. And, uh, and I love this. This isn't Moses talking to Israel. This is God talking to Moses, and eventually Moses talks to Israel in the same way. And here's what God says. <laughs> I love this. Hey, Moses, ye have compassed this mountain long enough. Um, it's, it's God's way of saying, you've been going in circles for a long time. How about we go somewhere else? Now, now look. You know, people say there's nothing like, you know, treadmill's not real running, you know, real running's out in the road, whatever. If you got to lose weight, dude, you just do whatever you got to do, all right? But I'm going to tell you right now, if I did the same thing every, every day, it's the same program on the treadmill, I'm watching the same scene every day, I'd get tired of that. And you know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. You, you know what God says? You know what God may be saying to some of you today? Hey, you've been going around and around in circles. Maybe it's a circle of unforgiveness. Maybe it's a circle of bitterness. Maybe it's a circle of frustration because you think you should be doing X, Y, and Z and God's not giving that to you. Maybe, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a circle of self-preservation. I'm going to do what I got to do and no one else is on my side. I'm all by myself and it's me against the world. And, you know, when you look at things that way, let me say something, you get frustrated and bitter real fast. You know what God may say? God may just say, hey, you've been doing this for a while. You kind of, you, you done yet? Hey, are you done yet? You know the kids say when you get in the car, where are we going? I mean, I'm not kidding. These two, this one right here especially, uh, what time is it? 9.52. Well, you said at 10 o'clock we'd be going here. That's eight minutes away, and I don't know if we have enough time. And after that, you said this, and that would only live enough time. Dude, you're 10 years old. <laughs> Enjoy the ride. Man, I wish I could be 10 years old, put my feet up and go, tell me when we get there. <laughs> I don't have that luxury anymore. You know what the Lord's saying, though? The Lord's saying, hey, look, you've been going round and round and round, and you're not getting anywhere. It's like getting on a roller coaster. That's the, the world is that way. Woo! Party! You know, the lights and, and all that stuff. You know, we're in the club and the smoke and everything. And then you get off the ride, and you're at exactly where you started. They're no different. You're no better off. Matter of fact, now you're nauseous. I don't understand you crazy people that like roller coasters anyways. You people like that, God bless you. I think it's demonic. I'm kidding, but sometimes I wish I wasn't. We, me and my wife were teenagers. We'd go to Elitz's, and she'd be like, and I'd get on one ride, one ride, one. And they'd be like, come on, Adrian, you can. I'm like, I'm not scared. I just, I don't feel well. They always thought I was scared. It wasn't fear. It was not fear of the ride. I'm not worried I'm going to get flung out of the seat. Although, listen, listen, this is how you know you've got lots. This is how you know you're rich. You don't realize it, Americans. When you pay money for that, people scare you. 
that's when you know you've got something the rest of the world doesn't have. You're going to get on a ride. Why? So I can get scared. Thriller, yeah! Get on this ride. All I got out of it was a... And for the rest of the day, you coming, Adrian? Some of you ought to be tired of being on the ride. Some of you ought to get over it. I'm just done with the ride. I'm tired with the same thing over and over and over. I'm done with saying I don't want that, and then I go back to it, and then it ruins me, and then I hate it, and I have guilt, and then I'm embarrassed, and I don't want to go to church, and then I want to open my Bible, and it's this vicious cycle that just goes on and on, and God's going, are you done yet? Amen. How about we do this together? Yeah. Abraham walked with God. Can I say this? Look at Genesis chapter 12, and look, if you would, at verse number one. Walking with God means willingness to pursue change. You know why that's hard? Because if I'm good, you ever pass somebody a gospel track and you give them a gospel track and they go, I'm good. And it's like the perfect segue. It's like, actually, you're not. That's why I'm trying to give this to you. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm good. You're not good. None of us are good on our own. <laughs> Left to ourselves, we make a mess of everything. If you don't know anything about it, I love it when some, you know, well-meaning person that doesn't know anything about the Bible or history goes, man, it's just intrinsically good and we're getting better with time. Blech whatever look at the headlines look at what's going on around you that is not when left to ourselves we make a mess of things you know what you need you need to acknowledge that hey things are not where they ought to be therefore i need god so i can get where i should go so i can listen more importantly become who i should become to become the person that god sees that i am in christ Look what, Genesis, what happens here in Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, listen, if God showed up, never talked to me before, and the first three words were, get out. You say, well, that's two. All right, get thee out. Get thee out. I mean, Lord, what? I've got a life here. I've got things going on. I've got, I've got my, the family business. My dad left that to me. And by the way, if you didn't notice, Lord, I've got a nephew. His dad's dead. That's my brother. I'm supposed to take care of him. You want me just to kind of move on and forget about everything? And just, oh, I'm just telling you, Abram, you got one, two choices. I can bless you or you can stay where you're at. I want the blessing. You're not going to get it when you stay where you're at and you defy what God is telling you. And when you say, I know what's best for me and I've got this life set up, listen, he says, get out for a reason. You need to understand this. I looked it up. The first, this is awesome. The law of first mentioned in the Bible. The first time something comes out of something, you know what it is? It's God taking out of the ground the trees that were to be for man's food. You know what that is? That's a, that's a picture of something. The, the, the energy in the life, and I'm not talking new age hippie energy. I'm talking about from God, all right? The energy in life that, that would sustain all the creation was in the ground, but it's of no use if it doesn't come out of the ground to sustain life. Are you with me? And God has put some things in you, but let me tell you right now, they are of no good if you stay where you're at. And you don't say, Lord, I want you to draw some things out of me. And out of the ground may the Lord God to grow every tree that was pleasant in his sight. You know, I think about Moses. You know what his name means? Moshe. It's a good Hebrew name. You know what it means? It means drawn out. You know he's drawn out? I mean, from the very beginning, he's mo his mom puts him in a basket, puts him in a little ark, sends him down the river. Haven't preached it yet, but I like to preach a message on three arks. That's one of them. She puts him down that river, 
And you know what they do? They bring him out of that basket, and they draw him out. So his name is Moses. And you know what God does? God kind of singles Moses out. And you know the story. He kills a man, buries him in the sand. I think, I think 40 years in the wilderness where he was at with the sheep, you know what I think that is? I think that's God's anger management session for Moses. <laughs> like, for real. Like, you just killed a dude. Like, Lord, why did you put me in the backside? Do you remember what happened? Oh, <laughs> that's right. I killed the guy. You know, <laughs> like, he buries the man in the sand. And you know what he does? He, he's drawn out of Egypt. And God puts him in the middle of nowhere for 40 years by himself. And you know what God does after that? He draws him out one more time. And you know what's more interesting than that? God says to Moses, I'm going to bring him out. 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 I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to bring them out. Bring out my people out of Egypt. Out, 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 out. You say, why? Listen, when you go into the Bible, you know what you find out? There are certain things you cannot get when you stay in the city. And I'm not talking about moving to Bennett either. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. <laughs> there are certain things you can't, you can't get when you have all the conveniences around you. You hearing me? There are certain things you can't get from God when you have all the resources that you need at your disposal to do things the way you've always done them. And when God is saying, I want to draw you out, you know what God does? God brings Israel out of Egypt and supernaturally rescues them and redeems them and, listen, gives them an identity as a nation. You know what they were prior to that? They were just a bunch of slaves. They were nobodies. God took them out and made an army out of a bunch of nobodies. You see why? They were drawn out. That's what God wants to do with you. That's what God wants to do with me. That's what he wants to do with our church. Look at verse 1. Out of thy country. Genesis 12, verse 1. Out of thy country. From thy country. You say, what is that? It's a place of familiarity. It's a place of self-will. It's a place of self-reliance and self-promotion. You might remember that that the Lord goes to Peter, and Peter's there washing his nets in Luke chapter number 4, and it's the end of the day. You know what the Lord tells him? Launch out. Launch out. You know what Peter could have said? No thanks, Lord. He tells him initially, thrust out. Just go a little bit. You know what the Lord wants to do with you? Let's just go a little bit. Let's just go. Come on. Let's just get baby steps, you know? I, you know, I, I, I've talked about it before, but just watching Olivia is so cute, you know, and do this number, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and then at the end of, she does this thing where she knows your, your arms are right there. You know what she does right at the very end? Kind of throws herself as if to say, I know you're going to catch me. You know, I think God enjoys when we do that. At least you're trying. <laughs> you, know, you, know what, you know what God wants to do? He wants to draw you out. That's why the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. Look at verse 4. So Abram departed. Can you just look at the end of that verse? Look at the end of the verse. How old is he? You know, Lord, if you come to me 20 years ago, when I didn't have that muscle spasm in my lower back, and I didn't have this going on, I didn't have that health issue, and I mean, I mean 75, you know, it's getting there. And you know what, God, you know what he could have done? He could have stayed home with his excuses, or he could have followed God. You know where a lot of Christians are at these days? I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too poor, I'm too uneducated, I'm too this. Listen, it's really simple. Follow God. You know what God's saying? I want to bring you out from what you know. I want to bring you out from what you rely on. I want to, because listen, as long as you stay where you're at, you will always identify with what you can do and not with what I can do. I love the story in the New Testament. When people make excuses, oh man, brother 
Alan Espinosa, who, who here knows Brother Alan? You kind of experience him. Yeah. You don't just meet him. It's kind of like, you know? I remember when we were in, in I was a teenager, and uh, he, w- he would sit, I'm trying to think where he would sit, kind of like, I think over there. And he would sit there, and whenever Brother Billy Haas would make a point that was really good, he'd go, <laughs> like, could you just say amen, bro? <laughs> and he'd shake his head like that, and he'd look back at me, bro, did you get that? I'm like, I got it, <laughs> But I'll never forget, one time he sang a song. Excuses, excuses, you'll hear them every day. And the devil, he'll supply them if the church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them. You know what we're really good at doing? Excuses. You know why God, you know Abraham, could have, he could have stayed home with his excuses and all the reasons why I'm too old. Uh, I've got family. I've got a business. I mean, you kind of, everybody, look, when people read the Bible, it's kind of like, oh, they didn't need money and they didn't need food and they didn't need, dude, they needed everything you need and want. And by the way, there's no crypto, there's no Venmo, there's no Facebook money, there's no none of that stuff. So if you're not making something of actual value, like real stuff, there's no consulting services in the Old Testament. You know, you, 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 if you had money and wealth and possessions because you made something, you did something of value. And here's Abraham with all this stuff and all his life there, and God says, get out, get out. I like the story in the New Testament, Luke 14, where there's three guys that are bidden to a wedding. You know the story. And one guy says, oh, man, preacher, I'd love to come. I'm adding to this a little bit. But it kind of goes like this. I'd love to be there, but I bought some land, and I need to go check it out. Think you should have checked it out before you bought it? Just thinking out loud here. Oh, man, oh, I'd be there. I really would but I bought a yoke of oxen, you know? It's like buying a car without having Steon check it. <laughs> I bought a yoke of oxen, and now I gotta go prove them. Well, who does that? Who buys a car and then goes, I'm gonna go test drive it now? You see how lame these excuses are? Here, I, I bought land, I gotta go check it out. I bought oxen, I need to go prove it. You go test drive the oxen, you know, and make sure it's not a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real Ford, a real Chevy, not an Audi. I'm just throwing it out there to bother you guys, you, you foreign car guys, you know. I'm, I'm gonna test it out and make sure it's a real car. And, and then the last guy goes, uh, I, I, can't, I can't come. Why, why can't you come? Um, I got married. And she said, I can't come. <laughs> Something like that. He says, I've married a wife and I can't come. You know what they all were? They were all excuses. Yeah. Christian, can I say this? You are going to learn one or two ways. You are going to learn to stay home and make excuses. You're going to learn to follow God. Amen. 99% of the failures come from people who have the habit of making excuses. George Washington Carver. Benjamin Franklin said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. I like this one. The real man is one who always finds excuses for others but never excuses himself. You know, I've learned small, smart choices and consistency plus time equals radical difference. That's what you see in Abraham's life. How about this? His name here in Genesis 12 is Abram. You know what it eventually is in Genesis 17? Abraham. You see what happened? He got a ham. Everybody's better when they get a ham. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No, I had nothing to do with him. You know, you know what Abram meant? Here's what Abram meant. Exalted father. 
So you can stay home and be exalted and live in all your glory and do whatever you want, do your own thing. Or you can follow me and I'll make you a father of many nations. You choose. You see, some people, some Christians live a life all of themselves. They're an island. I'll just do my own thing. Okay, you can be saved and do that. But I'm gonna tell you right now, you'll never influence others like you could if you follow God. You know, some of you doing right right now. You're going, yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, but I don't have what she has. I can't sing. I can't. I can't. And you know, I went through this, and I'm just not sure. And God's going, stop the excuses. You want to come? Let's go. Well, Lord, I'm going to make a mess of things. Welcome to the club. <laughs> we all make messes of things. When you're learning to walk, sometimes you fall, but you get back up. Can I say this? It means learning to pursue change. Secondly, it means learning to worship. This is a hard one. Learning to worship him before you get the promises fulfilled. Look at Genesis 12. Look, if you would, at verse number three. What does God say? I'm going to bless him to bless you. I'm going to curse him to curse you. Wonderful. How about verse two? I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. So all these promises God's given him. Can I ask you by verse 7, have any of those promises come true yet? No. But can, I know, can you look at what he's doing in verse 7? He's building an altar. You know what that altar is? It's a place to say thank you. Amen. It's a place to express commitment. No turning back, no turning back. It's a place to offer up something unto the Lord. The altar represents a place of sacrifice. And as we know from Abraham's story, the first time worship shows up in the Bible, he's about to sacrifice the greatest thing that he had in his life at that time. And listen, what I'm saying is we are seven verses into this story. He's got no promises delivered yet. God is not Amazon. He does not show up in two days or less. God does not tell you something and go, here it is, in 24 hours or else you can just depart from me. God says, I'm going to give you eternal blessings that will last forever ever and ever and ever and ever and I promise never to leave you nor forsake you. I promise that I'll supply all your need. He promises all kinds of things in the Bible. But can I say this? Before even the promises were delivered on, Abraham is building an altar. You know what's hard to do as a Christian? You know what's hard to do as a human being? To live by faith and go, I haven't seen it yet but I believe God. Well, 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 well I mean, God, why am I going to build an altar to you? You promised all this stuff. None of it's happened yet. And you know what? That you, would la- you would laugh if Abraham had said that. Lord, I'm seven verses into my story. You haven't done anything yet. You laugh at that, and yet we live that way. God, you said this, and, God, and God's like, I know what I said. Don't worry about that at all. <laughs> you can remind me all you want. I know what's in the book. I know what I promised you. But you know what? I want you to learn to worship me when you haven't seen what you want to see yet. And he did just that. Look at verse number eight. He moved. You know what some people do when they move? They leave God behind. He didn't leave God behind. He removed from thence on a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. That means he, he pitched, you know, you, when you pitch your tent, you know what that is? That's you saying, I'm getting comfortable in my walk with God. I'm getting closer with him. I'm going to pitch my tent. I'm going to put my tent up. Where, uh, where, where God is moving me, and by pitching that tent there, I'm saying, God, I'm following you. I'm moving my family and my possessions and all that I have in your direction. And look what it says in verse number eight. Having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east, and there he what? Built another altar. You say, why? Because everywhere he goes, he's reminded of the God that he's following. 
even if God hasn't given him everything that he wants yet. In verse 10, we're going to kind of skip through this. There's a famine, so they go down into Egypt, and they come back out. Look at verse number, uh, chapter 13, and look at verse number 3. He went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, coming out of Egypt, going north, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the what? When he comes out of Egypt and he comes out of that time of famine, he goes back to a place where he knew he was in fellowship with God. You need that in your life. You need to say, God, I'm going to worship you when it's good. I'm going to worship you when it's bad. I'm going to worship you in the famine. I'm going to worship you after the famine, God. I'm going to worship you not because you give me something, but because of who you are. See, I want to walk with God this year. I want God to bless me. Learn to live like that. You say, well, that's hard, preacher. How do you do that? I'm, are you ready for it? Here's the magic. You ready? You do it. Amen. What do you mean? Like, how do you get in the right spirit? You do the right thing until the right spirit's there. I'm sorry, guys. You, you adults in here, if your kid walked up and said, I really would love to clean the room right now, Mom, but I still have the right spirit about it. <laughs> Let me help you have the right spirit. Let me get the wrong spirit out of you, and then the right spirit will come in. How, you, that, you don't deal with, you don't go, oh, in that case, honey, sure. And if you do, God help you. Right. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you what the right thing to do is. See, well, this seems complicated. It's not simple. This hurts, and I don't like it. And I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. But I'm going to worship you. Lord, I have no idea the end of the story. Dude, if you knew the end of the story, you'd be God. You wouldn't need him. You understand that? Abraham starts his journey with the Lord by going, Lord, I recognize who you are. And even though you haven't given me everything I want and everything you've promised me, regardless of that, I'm going to build an altar to you. I want everyone to know that I'm following you. Look at verse number 18, same chapter. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and guess what he did? He built an altar. You know why you do it? Not because of seeing the immediate results. You do it because it's right. You know what Isaac does? Isaac builds an altar in Genesis 26. You know what Jacob does? Jacob builds an altar in Genesis 35. You know what those men are called? The fathers. They are the pilgrims. Do you know what you are? You are a pilgrim just traveling through. Do you realize that when the pilgrims came to this country and they came from uh, 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 Amsterdam and from Holland and you say, oh, I thought it was from England. They were English, but they were in, in Amsterdam. They came on through and Mayflower and all that kind of stuff. Do you realize when they came here, they, they lived, some of them uh, 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 experienced death and, and starvation and all kinds of terrible things. They didn't see this. They didn't see shopping malls and interstates and, and, and internet and all the fancy conveniences that we had today. They didn't see a nation that would, you know, kind of be a, a, a flagship for other nations in a powerhouse economy. You know what they saw? A wilderness. It's all they saw. And whether, you know, whatever your, your, your perspective is on that, you got to give it to them. For someone to come and go, we believe this is the right thing for us to do. Even though we don't see everything in our generation, we're going to do it anyways. Let me tell you what, Christian, you know what you are? You're a pilgrim. You're just passing through. You're not going to see everything in this, in this life. Some of it comes in the life to come. You know what a pilgrim is? Uh, a pilgrim is a wanderer, a traveler. It, it, according to Webster's 1828, in the scripture, it's one that has only a temporary residence on earth. You know what Hebrews says about Abraham and others that live by faith? These 
were persuaded of the promises of God and embrace him and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Can you do that? You know what a pilgrim does? I don't have to see everything right now. I know this is right. I know that God wants this, and so I'm moving in that direction. And Lord, I'm going to worship you when it doesn't make sense and when I don't have what I want in my hand yet. Lord, how do I know I'll get this land? Lord, how do I know I'm going to have this son? You know, he actually asked the Lord that once. And you know what the Lord's response is in Genesis 15? You don't have to turn there. You know what he says to him? He says, I want you to bring me turtle doves and bring me this and bring me that. That was God's response. Now, if God showed up to you supernaturally and says, I'm going to give you this and this and this. And you're like, Lord, how am I going to know you're going to give me this? And his response is not, let me show you something. Let me open up the spiritual portals of heaven and do a little a PowerPoint for you. And here on slide number one, you're going to have this son, Ishmael. And then slide number two, Isaac. And slide number three, kicking Ishmael out. And slide number four. I mean, God didn't do it. You know what God said? Listen, this is literally God's response. When Abraham goes, how am I going to know all this? The Lord goes, bring me this, bring me this, bring me this. You know what I would have done if I was Abraham? You're not answering my question, God. But do you know what happens when Abraham brings the sacrifice that God's asking for? The Lord gives him a vision of something. That's significant. Because you know what you want? You want the vision before you have the sacrifice. And God says, no, 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 sacrifice first. Walking with God, look at Genesis 13, means letting go of those who don't want to. You know, I think one of the hardest lessons for a Christian to get a hold of is there's some people and things I think I can't live without. And if I'm following the Lord, sometimes I have to learn to let them go. You see, in chapter 12, the Lord says something. I want you to look back at it one more time. Look at chapter 12. Can, can I show you something significant? See, I think sometimes, I think, I think the challenge for the Christian is this. We understand we have to get out of the wrong country. It's like, that's the picture of the world. I got to get out of that. But then it goes on to say this. Look at the rest of the verse. And from thy what? You see, it's not just getting out of something. It's something getting out of you. And therein lies the issue. In chapter 13, do you realize that Abram brings Lot with him? And Lot gets so big with all of his possessions, just like the flesh always does. And Lot says, I've got this much stuff, and you got this much stuff, and we got to part ways. And you know what happens? Look if you go to Genesis chapter 13. Look down at verse number 7. Verse number seven, there was a strife. You say, what is that? Anytime you bring something along your journey with God that God says he didn't want you to bring, there's going to be strife. Anytime you say, well, I'm kind of following God's will. I'm kind of doing what he asked me to do. Yeah, but I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to kind of read between the lines, Lord. You did say to leave my kindred, but at the same time, I also know you're a God of responsibility, and he's my nephew, and my brother died, and so therefore, I have to bring him along. You did not have to. You chose to, and now you're going to reap the consequences, Abram. Abram's not a perfect man. You know what I love about these stories in the Bible? These men aren't perfect. You learn this. They're flesh and blood like you and I are. And it was a natural thing to do to bring your, your nephew along. But can I say, it was exactly what Abram gets in the end. Strife and unnecessary contention. In verse 8, look what happens here. Abram said in a lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdman and thy herdman, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee. <laughs> let me say it like this. Here's the problem we have. I'm going to follow God, I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to bring something or someone along that shouldn't be with me. And then when I have to separate, it's that much harder. 
right? Versus like, I just never bring them along. I send a lot of postcards. I send him a Christmas gift. I Amazon him some stuff, but I don't bring him with me. Why? Because Lot did not want to follow God like Abram did. Lot had his own idea of what he would get out of the relationship that Abram and God had, and that was why Lot was there. But Lot was not in it for the same reason Abram was. Can I say this? Your flesh will never be in it for the same reason. When you bring things and people along, and let me just, let me just get this, let me just nail this right now. I want to be very clear. I do not think there's any, I don't believe there's anything wrong with saying God should be over family. I'm glad three people said amen. Uh, let me say it again. Your family is not God. They didn't die for you, and you will not stand before them at the judgment seat of Christ. You better learn this right now. I love my family. And by the way, you know what Abram did? Abram didn't hate Lot all the way to the end. You know what Abram's doing? He's negotiating for God, on, on Lot's behalf with God, praying for Lot. Abram's a good man. He did it the right way. He let Lot go. What do you got to let go today? Who do you have to let go today? I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't learn to do that, God tells Moses, hey, Moses, I want you to come follow me. I'm going to make a great nation out of Israel, but you're going to lead them out of there. And he comes up with some excuses, and God says, what's in your hand? And he says, well, stick, rod. He says, throw it down. Nothing of importance happens until Moses learns to throw it down. Christian, let me tell you right now, there's some stuff in you that God wants to activate and use and be a blessing to others this year. And you know the problem is with some of you? You don't want to let it go. You want to hold on to it and say, no, this is mine. Let me tell you right now, as long as you hold on to things that way, you will never enjoy the Christian life. <laughs> Abram, I tried telling you not to bring Lot. Well, Lord, you were right. He went his way. I went mine. Can I just point out to you? Look at Genesis 13, verse number 12. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. You know what Abram chose? Wilderness. I'm going to tell you right now, it's better to be in the wilderness with God than to be in a city without Him. And can I point out to you, the very next verse kind of illustrates where Lot's heart was at. And can I show you in verse 14, God didn't speak to Abram until two things happened in his life. He left Egypt and he left Lot. The entire time if you read from the time that Genesis 12, left side of my, of my Bible on, on this page, 12 verse 10, when there's a famine in Egypt and Abram goes down, guess what? God's not talking to Abraham. And then there's a strife in chapter 13 between Abram and Lot. God's not talking. Do you know when God talks to Abraham again? You ever, ever, go to your, you ever think to yourself, man, it's been kind of quiet from the Lord. I'm reading my Bible and doing this stuff, but nothing's there. You ever think maybe there's something that you just need to let go of? And until that happens, God's going to kind of be quiet? Well, I don't think that's right. Listen, God's a gentleman. He's not going to manipulate and show up, and he's not going to, please, I beg you, pay attention to me. That's not God. God God's not like us. He, you know what God's going to say? I am here for you, child. I'm trying to bring you along. I want to lead you. But until which time you get that or that person out of your life, I'm going to be quiet up here. 
Why? Well, that's not fair. No, the problem is this. He could talk till he's blue in the face, and you wouldn't hear it, and you wouldn't listen because you have a countering influence in your life. I've learned this. My poor wife hasn't learned it quite yet, but I've learned this. Don't worry. It's not going to be bad. <laughs> like when the kids are doing something, I'll say, look at me. Like the small pirate, look at me, look at my eyes. Right? My wife would like, tell me like, you know, four score and seven years ago. And in two weeks, we're going to do this. And in three weeks, we're going to do this. And on the 17th at 10 a.m. And about 10 minutes in, she goes, are you even listening? <laughs> And you know what the answer is? I'm looking at a screen, so I can't listen. And listen, you may go, well, you should be able to multitask. I am a man. <laughs> Therefore, I cannot come. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, you know what I have to learn to do? I have to put the screen down and look at her in the eyes. And then we get lost in our gaze. <laughs> And then when we get close to kissing the girl, the boys go, ew! <laughs> you, do you understand what I'm trying to say here, though? There's something you're holding on to, and until which time you let it or that person or whatever go, you're going to find yourself kind of going in circles. I mean, think about what Abram did. He starts up here. He goes down in Egypt. He comes back up. And you know what? The whole time, God's not talking. And God doesn't talk until which time Lot goes his way. I want to point out one more time. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I love it when someone says, well, well, what if your kid grows up and does X, Y, and Z? I'll love him, but I'm not going to endorse it. You're going gonna to be like, you want me to have them over if they're living some kind of wicked lifestyle and, and hang out and act like nothing's going on? Forget about it. Well, that's hard, preacher. That just isn't right. No, you're not right. Because I'm not going to endorse something by, well, their family. Well, what does that matter to the judgment seat of Christ? Where'd you get that from in the Bible? You know what? You didn't get it from the Bible. Your problem is you're living by American standards instead of what that book says. Or your own cultural standards. But well, familia, familia, familia todo. Familia is the most important thing. Like, yeah, that's culture, but what does God say? Yeah. Abram prayed. And by the way, can I just say this? If you think Abram thought he was better than Lot, you're missing the story. Lot's got one real friend in this world. And it's the guy that he left to pursue the big city lights. You know who's the only guy praying for him when Lot is in a mess? Abram. Lot, Abram didn't think he was better than him. He just knew that it was not right to keep him around anymore. He had to let him go. Let me say this, walking with God, you know what it means? It means <laughs> exercising some patience and learning the lesson. Look at chapter 16. Can I say in your walk with God, one of the temptations you're going to have is to take shortcuts and to kind of kind of get like I'm going where God wants me to go, but I'm kind of do it my own way. Kind of do a shortcut here, and I've learned this about shortcuts. They're usually not. Yeah. You know, you know, GPS says this, but I know better. <laughs> Famous words of men. <laughs> Famous last words of men. Look at Genesis chapter 16. You know how many years it's been? It's been decades since God showed up. 
Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bear him no children. God still hasn't given him a child. So you know what you do when you don't get what you want? You look up Amazon, spiritual Amazon, and find a way to get it in your house before you know it. I can push a couple buttons and make things happen. I can make it happen. I can get a credit card. I can clock someone. I can do this. I can manipulate. I, I can do it. I can do it. I don't need God. So you know what happens here? And by the way, gentlemen, follow the instructions here, uh, and you will die a miserable death. You see what we're talking about. Sarai, look at verse 2. Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. She got that part right. This is where it gets wonky. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. Gentlemen, there's a time to listen to your wife. This is not it. <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, she gets a little desperate, but you know what happens when you live by desperation? You eventually regret it. Yeah. I, I mean, look, 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 at, look at verse number five. You know what she says? This is, if this was a modern Bible, it would say, my bad. <laughs> my wrong be upon me. Like, my, I'm so, so uh, my bad. Like, that's kind of a big my bad. Here, take this person, and we can have a child through her. And then, like, after you do it, I hate her, and I hate you. Oh, Lord. <laughs> right? That's where he's at. You say, what was it? Well, kind of getting ahead of God. Kind of getting ahead of God. You need to learn to exercise some patience. Can I point out, nobody prays in this story. They just do it. Hagar doesn't pray. Abram doesn't pray. Sarah doesn't pray. They're just living life like a lot of Christians do. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to get where God wants me to go. I'll just do it my own way. You know, in verse 5, there's a consequence of conflict. Look at verse number 12. There's a con consequence. Let me just say this. Sometimes sin conceives some ugly babies. And I'm not saying Ishmael was physically ugly, but the problem was ugly. Look what it says in verse number 12. He'll be a wild man. Oh, he sure is. And he's still with us today. And let me just say this. Ishmael can get saved just like everybody else in this room. So don't, don't, don't come out here saying, Pastor says he's against them Arabs. I didn't say that. All right? If you don't even know what I'm talking about, get in your Bible, all right? <laughs> Ishmael's the father of the Arab nations. The idea is this. He can be saved today like anybody else can be saved. But if you look at history and you look at the consequences of Abraham's decision, it goes a little something like this. The things that you do now out of desperation, generations will pay for. Christian, learn to just say, I'm not ready for that. And I understand you're desperate and I understand you want to make things happen, but I don't want to get ahead of God. The Bible says, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. You know, it's funny. Patience is described in the feminine in the Bible. I think there's a reason for that. I mean, honestly, you ever notice this? Mommy, 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 You know, and mom's just like, what is it, dear? I'm like, shut up, kid. We heard you 37 minutes ago. Quit calling your mom. You know? Let patience have her perfect work. Can I, can I say this, Christian? God wants to bring some things out of your life, but God's not in a rush. The problem is you are. And, you know, sometimes we go, well, if I don't do this by this time, therefore this. You're judging that based on your own standards. You know, Abraham's thinking, I'm getting older, not getting younger. You know, I think Abraham did. I, I really believe this. I'm not just saying this. I believe Abraham justified his actions with getting with Hagar by doing this, by saying, well, God did promise me a son. 
it hasn't happened yet and we're pretty much that factory's about closed so I'm thinking this is it or else you know what he did he took what God told him and interpreted it his own way to get out of it what he wanted in his own time Christian don't do that you say I want to walk with God you know what that means sometimes listen it's not constantly a sprint you know I want to run the race before me but it's not like I mean sometimes it's kind of a brisk walk it's kind of like the seniors at the mall you know, and sometimes you do have to sprint, and sometimes the Lord just to slow down. You know, I think of it more than anything else. I don't think of it as a sprint as much as just endurance. And I sometimes, you know what? I'll tell you what, endurance is hard. You don't have to go full throttle. When you're going on a jog and you're going 20 minutes uninterrupted, just continually going up hills, down hills, having to, having to know what part of the muscles you use more, use less, boy, that'll wear on you. And you know what the Christian life is? It's that. It's not a matter of who gets there first. That's not the race. And the, the, old, uh, the old Greeks had a, had a race, and the race went like this. It wasn't so much who got to the finish line first as much as who got there with their flames still lit. You know what that takes? I mean, honestly, you're kind of jogging. The wind's kicking up. You're going like this, you know? And, and you're like this. You're not, you're not going. <laughs> the flame's going to go out. You've got to kind of pace yourself. Take your time. Christian, that's you. And when you say, well, I want it, and I know God says he's going to give it to me, but I'm going to get it my own way, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to make a mess of things. You know what God said? I'm going to give it to you, Abram, but I'm not going to give it to you this way. Can I at least say this much? And I like this about these men. They're human. But you know what I learned about Abram? Eventually he figures this out. Because it's like God tried showing him this with Lot, and he got it. And they had to go through it again with his own child. You know what eventually he has to do? Think about this. You read these Bible stories, you think it's just like, oh, yeah, that's how it was back in those olden times. It would have been hard to look at your son, who you had, not with your wife, but her handmaid, and now you got to look at your son and go, son, you got to move out. Better to not have had that problem to begin with, don't you think, Abraham? You know what that is? Getting ahead of God. I think he finally learned the lesson. Look, if you go to Genesis 22, we're going to close here. A lot's happened. Decades have passed. Abraham's over 100 years old. I'd say, uh, I mean, you know, Getting toward retirement, 110 or so, something like that. <laughs> somewhere, you know, somewhere up there. And, um, I mean, he's still running around and climbing mountains. We know that much from the passage. Uh, and and after, after the Ishmael situation, you know what God does? God brings Isaac the promised seed through his wife, Sarah, and everyone knows that God did this. And it's a blessing. And this, Isaac, is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Can, can I go a step further? I would say Isaac becomes the identity of Abraham. Because now everywhere they go, when they're like, oh, so you're enjoying time with Gramps? And Isaac's like, no, that's my dad. Right. <laughs> and everywhere they go, Abraham's like, it's my boy. And everyone's like, are you sure? I mean, I can just see them going out to eat, you know, you know, going to Cracker Barrel, wherever else, and, you know, In-N-Out Burger, Chick-fil-A, whatever, whatever your thing is. And they're going there, they pull up, 
I'm like, oh man, I think it's great that this generation learns from senior citizens. Is this your great-grandfather? And Abraham's like, as a matter of fact, that's my son. I believe what ended up happening is this. Abraham began to identify more with his son than he did God. He identified more with the blessing than he did the blesser. And he felt important because of his son. Look at me. God gave me this in my old age. Who else has that? I don't see any other, you know, centenarians, any hundred plus year old people with sons that are, you know, 16 years old. Anybody, anybody, anybody? Abraham's all by himself. He's in a category all by himself. And that became Abraham's identity. Can I say this? That's not your identity. Your identity is not your stuff or the things God's blessed you with. You know what your identity is? It's to be God himself. So you know what happens in chapter 22? Look at verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac. Wait a minute. I thought he had another son. Yeah, but this is the one I gave him. This was supernatural. Whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering. This is hard to read. I, I can't look at my kids and think that. And of course, we know the story. We understand that he doesn't do it, and that God intervenes. But can I show you something in verse 7? When Isaac speaks unto Abraham, his father said, and, and, and Abraham his father, and he said, my father, and, he, and, and, and Abraham said, here am I, my son. Notice that, that there's this, this position that Abraham is in saying, son, I'm here for you. And then look, if you would, at verse number 11. When he's got that knife raised and he's about to stretch forth his hand and kill his son, look at verse 11. And the angel Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, what did he say? You know what? You know what sometimes has to happen in your life? Come to a place where you move your identity from I'm here for you to I'm here for you. You know what happened after that day? I think, I think, I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. If I'm Isaac, anytime dad's like, you want to go for a hike? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm serious. If dad was ever like, let's go worship, I'm like, you know what? I'll watch it on TV. <laughs> yeah. but, but from that day on, you know what I think happened? I, I, think, I think Abraham realized not, my identity is not my boy. I sure love him and I appreciate him now more than I did before. But man, my identity is the Lord because if he was gone, I would still have him. Amen. You know what walking with God is all about? Finding your real identity. It's not about, oh, I think I'm a girl. None of that weirdness. We're not talking about that. That's what the world does because they know there's a problem and they don't know how to fill it. Okay? I'm talking about you as a child of God saying, I don't even really know who I'm supposed to be because I've been living my life according to me. I want to walk. Listen, I love my wife. I think, I think she loves me. Okay. <laughs> I'm just you don't want to put words in people's mouth and I was going to say, she loves me. And I was like, oh, there you go. <laughs> But God forbid, if one day she's not here, do you know what I still have? I still have the Lord. 
then one day if I'm not here, her life falls apart. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Amen. You know what Abraham had to realize? My identity is not him. It's him. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we want to walk with you. We want to walk closer with you. We want to know you better. And Lord, oftentimes we're in the way. And Lord, uh, before we leave today, we want to kind of get out of the way. And Lord, if there's some commitments we need to make, there's some things or people we need to let go, or if there's some building of altars that need to happen, or if there's some faith that needs to be exercised and just worshiping you before we get what it is we're looking for, Lord, I just pray you'd have your way in our lives. Christian, the altar is open. Take advantage of it. Walk with God. Walk with Him. I'm thankful to be saved. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to go a step further. I'm thankful I can walk with my God. And I have to tell you, I'm not telling you this out of pride. If anything, it's a little humbling. I've learned some of these lessons my, in my own life the hard way. What I thought was my identity wasn't. My identity is not, I'm thankful to be the pastor of this church, but my identity first and foremost is I am his and he is mine. Because if tomorrow God picked me up and moved me to some mission field, I would still have God and I would miss this church. But you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's him that I'm going after. It's not something or some person or some other goal. It's him that I may know him. can't tell me that Genesis 22 wouldn't have been a hard pill to swallow. You say, why would, a, why would a God do that? I'll never forget years ago I talked with someone, I don't know where I was, and this young lady said, I don't want to believe in your God. I said, why is that? Because what kind of God would ask you to kill your son? And I promise you this was not in me. It was the Holy Spirit. I said, the same one that offered up his own son for you. And oh, by the way, God didn't have him kill him. <laughs> he did, however, allow his son to be killed for our sins. Heads bowed, nice closed. I'm going to ask this question. Last week, little, little Benjamin, Benjamin Jr., heard the message about walking with God, and he said, I want to walk with God. And his dad opened up a Bible and showed him how he could be saved. And little Junior got saved. What a blessing. If you're here and you say, I want to walk with God, but you've never been born again. You've never been saved. Can I, can I just kind of tap the brakes for you and say, hey, before you can walk with God, it's kind of like Monopoly. You ever play Monopoly, the little go symbol? You don't pass go, you don't get $200. If you don't get saved, if you're not born again, you literally cannot walk with God. All you have is a physical, carnal nature to rely on. And God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And if you're here and you've never been saved, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and that's you and you'd like to walk with God, but you're not sure how or where to start, but you know you need to be saved, would you be willing to raise your hand and say, that's me. I'd like to be saved. I won't point you out. Won't drag you down here. Won't make a show out of it. But I'd like to pray for you. If you're honest enough with yourself and with God, and that's you, 
You're not in a church that wants to <laughs> take people who already are saved and make them saved again. That's not how that works. You're in a place that believes the book. Once you're saved, you're always saved. But if you're here and you've never been saved, Christian, can I just, can I, can I say this? If you're here and you're lost without Jesus Christ, you need to join the Christians. <laughs> That's the winning team, man. Not because we're anything, but because of him. You want to know God and be able to walk with Him and have spiritual understanding and enlightenment? It doesn't come from nirvana, any of that other garbage. You know what it comes from? It comes from submitting to the authority of God through the person of Jesus Christ. Saying, I'm not, I am not sinless, but He is. I can't save myself, but He can save me. If that's you here today and you'd like to be saved, raise your hand. We'd like to pray for you. And Christians, let me say this in the meantime. How's your walk? How's your walk? I, I would say that the biggest challenge if you just got saved is leaving the old life. But if you've been saved for a long time, that's probably not your biggest challenge. Your biggest challenge is self-reliance. I got it. I know Bible. I know this. I know that. I'm, I got it. I'm good. Let me just say this. We're never good in this, on this planet. We constantly need to be realigned and constantly be saying, I need to get back in fellowship with my Creator. Near to the heart of God. What song is that? Yeah, what page? 356 in the blue. 356 in the blue. Go ahead and grab that real quick. We're going to sing while they're.